0: Hello and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Early on in our, in our study, weeks ago, we talked about the importance of using the word in two areas. We're supposed to use the word where our flesh is concerned and where our mind is concerned. Amen. Glory to God. We talked about the renewing of the mind, which means a renewal, a renovation, a complete change for the better of the believer's mental process. Amen. Glory to God. One translation, the Barclay translation says, your whole mental outlook must be radically altered. amen Amen. our whole mental outlook must be radically altered away from this world's way of thinking amen the amplified bible says be transformed changed by the entire renewal of your mind by its new ideals and its new attitude glory to god we talked about Meditating in the word, thinking in line with God's word. We found out that God's ways and words are higher than our ways and words. But we can think his thoughts. We can think in line with God. Amen. And then we can walk in his ways. Amen. We talked about the different kinds of influencers there are in life. Parents, church, school, friends, peers, Media, whether it's TV, movies, news, social media, all these influencers have had an effect upon our lives, but only the Word of God, only the Word of God is a sure and reliable source of information. And so we need to pattern our lives along with the Word, even now, amen. Not just when you got born again, but even now. James told the, the church to receive with meekness. In other words, humble yourself. Humble yourself where your thoughts and attitudes are concerned. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Receive with meekness this engrafted word. It's able to save your souls. We found out that when the Bible talks about the soul of man, it's talking about primarily the mind, the will, the emotions. Now, we'll say this, that the word soul is used in a, uh, a more general sense also. Uh, uh, specifically, the soul of man, the suke, as it's in the Greek, is the mind, the will, and the emotions. But the word soul is also used in the Bible in a more general sense of the overall person. So many souls were saved. And so, uh, the Bible does speak of of man as a soul in that sense of the overall man. And, you know, even in our own language, in English, we have words that are, uh, you know, in we take it, we say it one time in a general sense, it means one thing, but in a specific sense, it means something else. Isn't that right? You take the word automobile. Uh, do they still have, I haven't noticed in convenience stores because I usually gas at the pump and get my receipt and go right then. But if you go, do they still have the auto and truck magazines, auto and truck sales magazines? Do they still have? Yes? Yes, no? Yes, okay. And if it used to be called the auto and truck uh, trader, right? Well, autos, automobiles includes trucks. Trucks are automobiles. So specifically, automobiles are all vehicles but generally speaking we refer to cars as automobiles and we refer to trucks as trucks but really they're all automobiles well the soul of man specifically is the mind heart the will mind excuse me the mind will and the emotions of man but generally speaking it can apply to the whole man so that's why you'll see some scriptures along that line sometimes but uh he said in James that if we would receive the Word with humility and in meekness, it would save our souls and he said this to people who were already born again, so it has to apply to more than than what people accustomed uh, customly apply it to it, it applies specifically very specifically to the to the mind of man, which is the seat of the will and the emotions and so forth, and it 's able to save or, or restore Old Testament Psalms talks about the restoring of the soul. Exactly the same thing. And the Word of God is, the, is what changes our soul to the better. Amen. And, uh, you know, I, I illustrated the importance of, of uh, and the nature of man this way. If you can consider man is as a, as a spirit. He possesses a soul. He lives in a body. So you have spirit, soul, and body but you see the soul of man is right in the middle and the soul of man can, can, can team up with the body and if your mind, will, and emotions teams up with your flesh, you'll dominate, your, 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 your flesh will dominate with through your mind, will dominate your spirit man and hold your spirit man in bondage. Drag your recreated spirit through life, held prisoner to your flesh. But if you get your mind renewed away from the flesh and get your mind uh, in agreement with your spirit, your, your, your soul and your spirit will team up and drag your flesh along and make it do what it ought to do. Amen? So really, the soul of man, the mind of man is really the key. Now, we, we, we're conscious of the spirit. We're conscious of our relationship with God. So often, we're conscious of that inward uh, a connection and fellowship. And we're also very conscious of our flesh and how it trips us up. But we need to be more conscious of our mind. We need to be more conscious of our, of our soul in the sense of making sure that we do something with it. Because if you'll do something with our mind, and what do we do with it? Renew it. If we'll renew our mind, amen, It'll enable us to be strong and and fruitful believers. Hallelujah. And we'll do what the Bible says. Well, amen. We'll do what the Bible says and not what we feel like and not what the world says. We'll do what the Bible says and we'll act like the Bible says to act and we'll believe what the Bible says. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. We talked uh, last week about being, not being conformed, but being transformed. We've talked about it a little bit in the past, but last week we got into it in more detail. We found out, go with me over to Romans chapter 12. We found this out in verse number, well, let's start in verse number one. We've talked about that a little bit. We'll read verse number two also. Romans 12, one and two, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, <clears throat> that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable, that is your rational, thoughtful service and worship to God. Notice that we are to present our bodies. He's not going to do it for us. If we don't do something with our bodies, then nothing will be done. And we'll stand before the Lord one day ashamed. But we need not do that. Amen. Verse 2, it says, it says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You'll never really walk in the perfect will of God until you get your mind renewed with the Word and then act on what you know. Amen. We found out last week that the word that's translated conform, it's a verb and it means, uh, and it's in the negative, so it means do not be conformed to another's pattern. In other words, you are you, recreated in Christ Jesus. You're born again, a believer, a child of God, his very own child, he's your very own father. He said, but don't be conformed to another pattern. And the pattern that he 's talking about is the worlds don't be conformed to the world 's pattern, and we found out too that the way this was written, Paul actually said, "Stop being conformed to the world so this was something that the believers in Rome were guilty of doing. they were actually even though they were born again, had received eternal life, even though had they had become a child of god and 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 had all of the uh, of the uh, 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 inheritance, and everything that belongs to all believers as Christians, they were actually being conformed to an outside force. That's why weest Kenneth weest translated the first part of this verse. He said, stop assuming an outward expression that does not come from within you and is, and is not representative of who you are in your inner being, but is patterned after this age. Again, we pointed out that the world here is is not the Greek word; it's not the cosmos. It's the Greek word uh, "ion," and it means the the intellectual, the moral, the cultural climate of an era. And so he said, whatever whatever age you're living in, to the to the Romans, but it would apply to us today. Stop being conformed to this world. Stop stop uh, letting the 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 outward life that you exhibit to people, stop, let it, stop letting it reflect the world's ideas instead of what's on the inside of you. Amen. Then he said, change your outward expression to one that comes from within and is representative of your inner being. That's what the word transform means. It means to bring from the inside to the outside we talked about the word uh, in the English metamorphosis it comes from this Greek word metamorphu, and it means to to change the outward form he's telling the believers at Rome and he's telling us today in high springs and right here in this building that we are to be transformed let our outwards our outward form change to reflect what's on the inside how do we do that we do it by the renewing of our minds Amen. We pointed out that instead of being transformed, too many Christians masquerade in the thoughts, opinions, beliefs, ideologies, ethics, worldview, social movement or movements or advocacy of this age. And and by doing that they they cloud the glory of the Lord that's on the inside. We're not supposed to represent the world to God. We're supposed to represent God to the world. God doesn't need any reminder of what the world is like so that we don't have to come together, you know, and look like the world just so he'll remember. He, he's well aware of what the world's like. We've been redeemed out of that. Well, amen. Now, I uh, at the last... A few minutes last week, I quickly read some scriptures, but the Lord said to me, uh, you know, the, the, you need to go back over these and read these scriptures a little more and take a little bit more time with them. And we have four or five scriptures and they all bring out the same truth. The Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Well, we have four or five witnesses here of this same concept, So let's go first to Ephesians chapter 4. And again, we looked at these right before we left last Sunday morning. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 says, And this I say, see people, or hear people turning, see people turning. Let everybody get there. Verse 17, Ephesians 4:17 says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their minds. Now, a lot of times I think we would read this scripture and we would, the part where we're not to walk like the other Gentiles walk, and that resonates real quickly uh, as it pertains to our. Uh, Outward behavior, our walk. Like I said last week, you know, you you might have been a real partier, you know, before you came to Christ, or you might have been this or that, you know, lived you know sinful life, and you don't do those things anymore. You don't go to those places. You don't you know participate in that. So you know you you think, well, you know, I've got this covered. But notice the Gentiles do this in the futility of their minds. Let me look this up in the Amplified. I thought I had written this down. Oh, yeah, I do here. The Amplified Bible brings out that it means the perversiveness, or uh, perverseness, excuse me, perverseness and depravity of their minds, the emptiness and the vanity. See, this world's ideas are empty, they're vain, they're depraved, and they're perverse. So that's what makes them walk the way they walk. Well, according to Romans chapter 12, we need to renew our mind away from those things because if we don't, we'll start walking the same way. Actions follow thinking. They do. Now, now, and I'm not just talking about... A thought that the devil puts in your mind. I was talking to somebody uh, last week, and they were, you know, just talking about how you know the devil had put some thoughts in their minds. You know, about I think it was related to COVID or something. I forget now what we were talking about. But you know, these thoughts, and and they were kind of concerned. They've been thinking of these thoughts. I said, "Remember, thoughts that are not spoken die unborn. The devil can put thoughts in your mind as long as you don't speak on speak them." I'm talking about thoughts of doubt and unbelief and so forth. On the other hand, what we're talking about here is uh, the, the thoughts and, and ideals of this world that if we, can, if we allow ourselves to think that way, we will eventually talk that way and we'll start acting that way. Amen. So he said here in uh, verse 17, do not no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their minds, Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their hearts. My goodness, think look at the way he described the the uh, the unsaved. Their understanding is darkened. They're alienated from the life of God. They're full of ignorance, that is ignorance of God. And their heart is blind. Why in the world would we want to act and talk and think like them? Why would we want to try to be like them? Why would we want to try to, to, uh, uh, why would we want to gain their admiration for any reason? Or their approval? Amen who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness, but you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him. Now, I've always read this verse, and it's always occurred to me that this was a very peculiar or odd expression here. But you have not so learned Christ. I dare say there's not very many of us, if any of us. Uh, let me back up. People will say, I came to Christ. I accepted Christ. So forth, talking about your, your, your experience. I came to Christ at a such and such time. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say, you yeah, know, back in, in, in 2007, I learned Christ. I, it's, just, it's just not an expression. It's, I think it's really unusual. But, but that's what it says. You have not so learned Christ. See, there. it's one thing to come to Christ and to accept him and to be genuinely born again. It's another thing to learn him. Jesus said, learn, take my yoke upon me. And what? Learn of me. It's one thing to take his yoke upon you in the sense of submitting to his, his, him as savior. But it's another thing to learn of him. You have not so learned Christ. and Notice, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him. If indeed. He said, you have not so learned Christ if, in fact, you have learned, uh, heard him and have been taught by him. Well, are you hearing him? Are you being taught by him every day? Or do you just... You have a static relationship with the Lord. He's your Savior. You know, he, you believe in him as the Son of God and he died for your sins and you've received his, his redemption. You're going to heaven, but are you learning from him? Does he teach you? Amen. Indeed, if you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus. The truth is not in this world. The truth is not in the... in the. Uh, Uh, popular opinions of this world, movements of this world. That's not where the truth is. The truth is in Jesus. Amen. That you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Now notice, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. It's just another way of saying, get your mind renewed. And that you put on the new man That's that transformation. Don't be conformed to this world, but let what's on the inside come to the outside. That metamorpho, put put what's on the inside on the outside. That's what he's talking about here. That you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. There's a lot of phony righteousness and phony holiness in this world. This world will take principles from God's word to promote an ungodly agenda and blind and simple-minded Christians will just follow along because it sounds good. The truth is in Jesus. I said the truth is in Jesus. It's not in this world. Amen. We have been recreated on the inside in true righteousness and holiness. What glory. (laughs) Praise God. Go with me to uh, over to the fifth chapter here. As we say, sometimes it's not very far. (laughs) It's on the same page. (laughs) Ephesians 5, 8. For you were once, or you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, goodness, god uh, righteousness and truth finding out what is acceptable to the lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness but rather expose them margin of my bible says reprove them now if you if you read this with one in one frame of mind you'll read it this way have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness I, what would be some of the works of darkness? Well, drunkenness, lying, carousing—those things. It, it, have no fellowship with with drunkenness. Don't don't get drunk. Don't don't lie. Don't steal. That would be having no fellowship with the with the unfruitful works of darkness. But see, this tells me that it's not just talking about the works themselves, but it's talking about those who do those works. Because he says, "Have no fellowship with them." but rather expose them. Expose them. For it Now, who is them? It's not just talking about the works, it's talking about people. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. Our lives, God did not put us here to make uh, sinners feel good about themselves. He did not... That's not what... You're, God did not sends you into all the world to make people feel good. People who are going to hell and it's our job to wake them up. bring Bring eternal life to them. Not make them feel good. Amen. Now, now, d- d- you don't, uh, you understand that I'm not talking, it's not our job to go out and offend people. It's not our job to go out and make people feel bad or, or to condemn people. That's not what I'm saying. But trying to avoid condemning people has taken the church too far in the other direction. Amen. I talked about, you know, how when I got back into fellowship of the Lord, because I... Immersed myself in the Word of God. I mean, I, I I read the Word of God. I just had such a hunger for it. I just read it, just every free moment. I I, I would lay my Bible next to me while I was working, and I'd you know I'd I'd printed out in scriptures and I'd take them to the to the uh, mainframe or the or the piece of equipment I was working on. You know, and I'd work and I'd and I'd stop a few minutes and I'd just read a bit. And I'd work and I'd read a bit. and I'd work and I'd read a bit. Well it, it had it radically changed my way of thinking and I didn't intend for it to. I didn't I wasn't seeking really to change the way I, I, I thought. It just changed me. Now I still loved my old friends. I had some very dear close friends, my wife and I did, that we we, we hung out before this happened to me. Uh, before I went to Brooksville, you know, when when uh, you know we had we had uh, a couple in particular that we we did everything. We had a young child; they had a young child. Same circumstances we had. Uh, he had been a close friend of mine in high school, and so after Angela and I got married, shortly thereafter, they had signed the same circumstances we did. They got married; they had a young child, and so because you know we we were both raising children, you know, we did a lot of things together. I love those people and others. We, it was, it was, our routine was to spend our our social time with them. Well, we still did that for a while. Uh, now, this particular couple moved away, I think, uh, a couple of years, maybe a year or two after that. I, I, maybe, I'm not sure when, I think 74 or something. But, uh, you know, other people, I still, I still stopped by. Every now and then, checked into my old friends. just Because, you know, that was my routine. Some of my, you know, single friends, you know, I'd just drive by their house, you know. And sometimes, you know, Angela would send me to the store in my old days, you know, to go buy something. And I'd stop by so-and-so's house and I'd be there for four hours. And shoot, I'd come home all, you know, messed up, you know. I can't send you off anywhere, you know. And I time to get away from me, you know. And, and uh, so... But I, was, you know, I didn't do that anymore. I couldn't hang out with that crowd anymore. But I could still visit them. Just stop in every now and hey, how you doing? But there was just not, it just wasn't there anymore. I could not really fellowship. Now remember in 77, in my wife and I took a, a trip to Pennsylvania to see this couple that had moved away. They had moved, her, her parents had a, a, a 75 acre apple farm that hadn 't been worked in years, it was an old you know uh, family land been in the family a long time. Her father had another job in, in a big city somewhere, so he didn 't live there so Chris and Charles uh, moved up there chris 's parents' property and you know for hippies that was like the that was like the uh, the greatest thing you know to to live on a, a farm in Pennsylvania, even though they didn 't farm it you know it, it was just cool because it was you know it was Uh, You know, the the back to nature and everything organic. That didn't start with you guys. It started with the 60s, you know. (laughs) And uh, so that was real cool, you know, to be on the farm. So we drove, my wife and I, 1977, drove all the way to Pennsylvania to see this couple. So we were still maintaining, you know, friendship. I'm not saying don't be friends with people. But we got up there and we're going to spend a week with them. And uh, and we had a good week. We didn't have a miserable time. We had a we had a you know we had a good time. We did some things together. You know, went into to uh, they didn't live in Pittsburgh. They lived about fifty miles out of Pittsburgh. So we we drove into Pittsburgh and saw some things. You know, spent most of the time on the farm. And uh, but I remember now. Now this, some of you older people remember this. Does anybody remember Anita Bryant? Yeah. Anita Bryant. Well, more people than I think. Uh, well, there's more people my age than I'm thinking. I guess. <laughs> Anita, my, uh, Anita Bryant was a former beauty queen. I think she'd been Miss America or, or Miss something. And uh, she had, as a result of that, she had gotten uh, uh, an entertainment, she developed an entertainment career. She was on television. She had some uh, hit songs, I think. And, but her, she at that time, she was primarily on, on television. She did commercials and, and had a variety show or something. And, and, uh, but she came out in 1977. She came out against... The uh, homosexual agenda that was being promoted, and she began to speak out against it as a Christian. Just you know, just speaking what Christians believe, and she was completely driven out of the entertainment business. She was completely driven out. They drove her out. She lost her career completely. She was so attacked and maligned. I, I remember she somebody threw a pie and hit her in the face. Remember that? Somebody threw a pine, hit her in the face and she licked it off and she said, well, at least it's fruitcake. <laughs> it's a little joke, you know. And, uh, but, you know, she was, she was mocked by this world. Well, we went up there to see these friends, you know, and, uh, and it was right when all this was going on. She was being attacked and being laughed at and ridiculed and, and, and TV came on and, and we're sitting there watching TV and, and something comes up about uh, Anita Bryant and they're just mocking her and laughing at her. Well, you know, everybody in the room's like, uh, You know, Angela and I looking at each other. We, we don't agree with this. We don't. I finally just got up and left the room, went back in the bedroom until that segment was over, you know. So I'm not sitting there listening to this. Because, see, I'm not going to I'm not gonna go with this world's way of thinking. I don't care how pervasive and, and, and how they try to persuade. I don't care if everybody goes one way. I'm going stay with, to stay with the Bible amen that's what this is talking about amen we're, we're like I said no I started to say this the reason I brought this up uh Charles now he and I used to go to the Quaker church together when we were anti-war protesters because if you went to a Quaker church you could get uh, a conscientious objector <laughs> uh, uh, classification from the from the draft board and you wouldn't have to go to Vietnam so we went to the Quaker church in Jacksonville and, and it wasn't a church. It was, They called it a church, but it wasn't. They weren't saved. I'm not saying other Quakers weren't, but this one. Everybody came in and saw hippies. It was a room full of hippies sitting on the floor. I remember this one guy, he's, he, and I just vivid in my mind, he's sitting on the floor and his, with his legs crossed and that, you know, that, what do you call that? Lotus, you know, he's got no shirt on. Back then, guys wore very short ragged, cut off blue jeans. So he's sitting in the floor with his cut off blue jeans, no shirts, got, you know, beads and everything. And he's just sitting there and, and everybody sat in silence. that was a church service. So we would go to that. Well, Charles was a Quaker and he actually got, you know, a, a deferment from, from serving in the war. And, uh, I had a high draft number. So, uh, that's the reason I didn't go, but, uh, so Charles has always been, you know, sort of a uh, you know, free spirit. So we go up to Pennsylvania. And I'm getting somewhere with this. And he tells me, he tells me, he says, Edwin, he said, I was up on the mountain the other day and God spoke to me. I said, he did? He said, yeah, God spoke to me. I said, what did he say, man? He said, I love you. And I said, Really? I said, "What else did he say?" That's all he said. "I "I love you." I said. So he didn't say anything else. No, that's all he said, and he was just sort of a glow because God had said, "I said, Charles, that wasn't God. It wasn't God. Yes, God loves you, but that was actually the devil talking to you because God." So loved the world that he gave his son for you. That's how much he loves you. See, when that voice spoke to him, pretending to be God, and said, I love you, he went off the mountain with this sense I'm okay. God loves me. Everything's good. But he was still going to hell. You see what I'm saying? God wouldn't say, I love you. God would say, I love you and and reveal Christ to you. That would be what God would do. God wouldn't leave you with a false sense of security. Now, I said it kindly. I didn't say it abrasively. These were friends. But I said, Charles, that that wasn't God. Because God wouldn't leave you without a way of salvation he would tell you about Jesus. And so I witnessed to him again. I'd witnessed to him before. This is what I'm talking about. We we can love people, but we can't go along with with things that are false just to protect people's feelings. I mean, he could have heard, God loves me. He could have walked around in the glow of God God loves me. He could have walked out the highway and been hit by a truck and gone to hell. At least he wouldn't have been offended by Edwin. No, that's not our job. Well, amen. He, he was somewhat offended. But I, I didn't try to offend him. I said it as kindly as I could. I, I love the man. He's a, he's a great man. Our job is to speak the truth. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Uh, go with me to James it's one of the other verses we looked at the Lord's instructed me to spend time on this James chapter four and let's look at verse four and five now in the old testament when Israel would go after false gods when they would leave the worship of Jehovah and follow after false gods God would accuse them of adultery spiritual adultery so that's what this is talking about uh he said, adulterers and ad- ad- adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Now, this was 1977 that Angela and I went to Pennsylvania. We were still friends in, in, in uh, one sense of the word, but we weren't friends like we had been. We couldn't be friends like we had been before. There was just no common life there anymore. And this is what this is talking about. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity, hatred, hostility with God? For whoever wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Whoever wants to be a friend of this world, not, not in a... In a uh, my, I consider my friendships with unsaved people to be redemptive friendships. I have, a, I have a friendship with people who aren't saved and my number one goal is to see them come to Christ. Isn't just to, just to know them uh, just as friends. So we can ha- we're, we're supposed to reach out to the world but we're not supposed to be uh, taken with fellowshipping and identifying with people in this world. Amen. Well, it's the truth. Whoever wants to be a friend of this world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you not think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? Translation here from, uh, from uh, New Century Version says, says, the spirit that God made to live in us wants us for himself alone. The Holy Spirit came into our life and he's very jealous over us. He wants us for God alone. And if you're following the Spirit, he will lead you into a sanctified life. Not, not a, not a holier-than-thou, not a self righteous, not a condemning life of others, but a life that seeks God's glory and God's favor and God's truth and God's ideas and God's values over everything else. Everything else. Amen. Hallelujah. That's a pretty powerful statement. He who wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Go over with me to 1 John 2. 1 John 2. Verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, this is what's in the world. This, this, these things that we're about to read here, this is what drives the world's values. All that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away. And the lust of it but he who does the will of God abides forever. Like I said, who, who we're, we've not been called to yield ourselves to the way the world lives or, it, or the way it thinks or to get their approval on their, on their standards we're not to get the approval of the world based on their criteria. We, if we, it, it's good to be admired by the world, but only out of, out of our righteousness. And if they don't value righteousness, they won't value you. If people have no regard for righteousness or little regard for righteousness, if they don't value the things of God, if they don't have a respect for the things of God, you have no business being respected by them. And trying to be like them and think like them is a sellout to God. That's what he said, it's enmity with God. You can't, you can't walk with the world and walk with Jesus too, you just can't, amen. So it matters who you try to impress, <laughs> Are you trying to impress in your walk? Are you trying, are you trying to win the, 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 the uh, accolades and the, the approval of this world? Accolades and the approval of this world? No, you, you want to win God's approval. Amen. We're supposed to be a light to this world. When we talk like them and act like them, we don't win them. You can't win the world by mirroring the world to them. I'll give you just a, just a, a, a way this works out. And this is what I'm about to say. I'm, 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 I'm going to talk about the way you dress. But this really isn't about dress. This is an illustration. When you come to church, you should dress like you're going to church, not like you're going to church. Someplace else. This world has its own culture. This age has its own culture. The church is supposed to have its own culture. Not reflect the world's culture. If you if you walked down the street, if you were driving you don't go to bars, but this is an illustration. I don't know why I thought of this. If you if you were driving by and you saw, if you were in Tampa Bay or in Tampa and you, and you saw some big uh Buccaneer sports bar. On the outside, it's a sports bar, it's got all of this Tampa Bay buck stuff. It's a sports bar. What would you think if you walked in and it's an English pub? Everything's green inside, you got servers dressed like leprechauns. You would look around going what's going on here you walk you probably walk back outside sports bar go back in and it's and it's an english pub it doesn't match you you expect the culture of whatever it's supposed to be to be in that establishment (laughs) right we ought to have a church culture in the church not a worldly culture I'm not. I'm not. am not saying that you have to wear suits like I do. Now, I will require people in leadership and people, you know, in in front of everybody. I will require a dress code. But other than that, I'm not. But you should dress respectfully. You should dress. Have, did I make up this expression, and you know, just somewhere in the past, or is it real? Sunday, go to meeting clothes. Sunday dress is that an expression I just made up? No, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with dressing appropriately. When we come to church, we're not. This isn't like going to to the shopping center or to Publix. <laughs> it's not the same. This is a a solemn assembly. Jesus is present. God is present with us. Like I said, you don't have to dress like I do, but you 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 shouldn't come in shorts. The reason we have a, a dress code is because if we didn't, all you have to look at is is just go online and look at a bunch of churches. You'd see exactly what it would look like because people would people will come down to this culture. I'm telling you, if we don't have standards, amen. Now, you, you can be stylish. When suits change, I change the style of my suits. The interesting thing, of course, men's suits don't change that much. But you know, the vent changes, the buttons, the lapel, you know, change, things change. I, I change with the style. You don't have to wear suits, but you know, if you, if you wear something, just dress respectfully, but you can still dress stylishly. Amen. Instead, churches somehow had the had the idea we need to erase church culture that's what will win the world we'll will we, instead of having a, a church bar we'll have a worldly bar instead of having a sports bar we'll have an english pub because everybody lives the english pub life so when they come in we'll look like them that's yielding this isn't about clothing this is an example of how we let worldly thinking get into the church, and we try to be like the world. We're not supposed to be like the world. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. do you understand I'm not really talking about clothes? I'm talking about not pattering your life, pattering pattern can patterning your life like the world. Amen. We want God's approval. Amen. Praise the Lord. Go with me then. We'll close with this 1 Corinthians 15. I didn't get any further than I got last week. But I spent more time on it than I did last week. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. And we've read one, two, three, five passages that all tell us the same thing. So I think we ought to listen to it. Do not be deceived. Evil company cor- corrupts good habits. The Amplified Bible says, Do not be so deceived and misled. Evil companionships. Communion and associations corrupt and deprave good manners and morals and character. Huh. That's the, you know, that's the truth. I tell, I've told people for all of my 40 years of pastoring, your best friends need to be right here in church. Or they can be in another church, but they need to be solid born again and spirit-filled Christ needs to be your buddies. And you can, you can be friends with people who are unsaved people out in the world, but it is, a, it is a separate relationship altogether than what you have with believers. Amen. And we ought to be a light to the world. We're not condemning the world. But if, if you're living a godly life, it will reprove the darkness around you. It will rebuke the darkness and the and the darkness that people live in. It will expose it. Yeah, it will. It will expose it. And that's the way we're supposed to live. Amen. Well, glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. When you do this, when you let the word control your thinking, you'll be transformed and reflect the glory of the Lord to the world. You'll stop sympathizing with the world, defending and apologizing for those who live in defiance of God's laws. You know, God didn't, God didn't send us to defend the rights of people that live in darkness. Amen. Amen. We have laws that do that, but that's not the the work of the church. You will stop making excuses for those even in the church who insist on walking on in darkness under misguided notions of tolerance and love. Praise the Lord. It's not the role of the church to provide a safe harbor where sinners can come and feel good about themselves and their sinful lifestyles. That's not the role of the church. It's not the role of the church to create an environment where sinners can come. Yes, there's a balance. We have to set a balance. It is our responsibility to create an an environment that is welcoming to sinners so that they feel they they can come and hear from God. But if it goes to the point that it makes them, if we make them so comfortable that we accept their sinfulness, we have, we, have, we have done them the worst kind of disservice in hiding the truth from them. Amen. Well, glory to God. Let's stand up. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. Did you get anything out of this? Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, we judge ourselves where our thinking is concerned to line up with you and your will and your plans, your values. What's important to you should be important to us, Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to every heart, Father. May we all judge ourselves. Consider what is important to us. What our values are. And what kind of testimony we are to people around us who are unsaved. To those friends or associates or coworkers, or whatever it might be that we see on the daily basis. Father, that we live our lives as, as an epistle of Christ, read by all men, so that they see in us the truth of God, the liberating truth of God. Not the condemnation of the devil, but the liberating love of God that causes them to want to forsake their sinful ways and forsake darkness and come to our Savior. That's the way we want to live. That's the way we want to talk. That's the way we want to present ourselves, Father. Glory to God. Help us, Lord, to to strike that balance in our lives. Where we begin to see the unsaved. We see unsaved friends as our mission field. If you've given us and allowed us to have relationships with people who are lost. We are your voice to them. Because you've you've allowed us. You've given us the opportunity to have a relationship. Oh what a. What a place of potential influence we can be. And who other? Who else but us? Who has that person's heart and that person's ear? Father, may we reflect Christ. May we reflect redemption. May we reflect forgiveness, restoration, life, the high life to everyone we meet. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. That's our calling. That's how we are to relate to this world, Father. As lights. As missionaries. As as ambassadors for Christ. Everywhere we go. Glory to God. And so we renew our minds, Father, by getting into the Word, feeding on the Word of God, putting it first in our lives. Father, we, we determine to let your Word shape our thinking and our acting and our speaking. Glory to God, so that we will, in fact, radiate your love everywhere we go. Glory to God. Thank you for that, Father. Amen.